0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In our sermon today, we're going to be looking at Peter's prayer, which comes at the end of the scripture reading we just heard. And we're going to look at how this prayer is all about boldness. The same boldness that Peter prays for is the boldness that we can pray for as we go out with the word and God encourages us to share and speak the word. We'll look at this in five parts with the hymn verses sung in between. In Peter's prayer, chapter 4, verse 29, he says, And now, Lord... Look upon their threats, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. The story of the early church is bold. It shows men and women who were bold in what they did for the Lord. They were bold in risking their own life and limb. They were bold in healing life and limb. They were bold in sharing life, and limb, all for the sake of the gospel. But they didn't find this courage within themselves. It wasn't because they had achieved some higher level of being religious than any one of you. It was simply because of something much more deeper and powerful, and it comes to us in the simplest of ways, prayer. Prayer. Prayer is where Peter turns when the persecution and the threats are increasing and his life is at stake. He turns to prayer and he prays for boldness. Peter and John had gone up to the temple to pray and there they had met a man who was sick and lame, couldn't even move, and they healed this man of his sickness. And as this word spread... The religious leaders grew jealous, and that's when they began to question Peter and John and to threaten them that they should no longer speak in the name of Jesus. But they can't silence them. In fact, the more they threaten them, the louder they get. And after they finally decide to release them, Peter offers up this prayer, which is going to be the basis for our prayer and our thoughts today today to pray to the Lord for boldness in our own evangelism. We'll sing the first stanza of Hark the Voice of Jesus Crying in your bulletin. And they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and and the sea and all that is in it. The apostles knew that the message that they were preaching was nothing new. The story of the gospel is not a newly devised religion that came along with Jesus of Nazareth. It wasn't a new message or a new philosophy. In fact, it was as old as time. The truth of the gospel was around since the foundation of the earth and since God first dealt with his plan of salvation in the lives of Adam and Eve. It's an old story. And God continues to reveal this story through the life of Israel in the Old Testament and then culminating in the coming of Jesus of Nazareth and continuing on today. When Peter prays, he quotes Psalm 2 because he knows already back in the life and mind of David in the Old Testament, God had plans for what he was going to do with Jesus. He quotes Psalm 2, which refers back to the nations and the peoples plotting against God. Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers are gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. Peter recognizes the threats of Herod and Pilate toward Jesus as having to do with this prophecy. And yet, he knows that despite all the world would do to try to overthrow the plans of God, it's foolish. In fact, the psalm goes on to speak of how God laughs at this. Any time that we try to control God's plans, any time that we try to get our mind and our thoughts into God to make it work out the way we want, God laughs. It's foolish. But it's also encouraging. It's encouraging because Peter prays to the Lord of heaven and earth. What higher authority could there be? No matter what threats, no matter what worries, no matter what things you might think you're capable of or not capable of, the Lord of heaven and earth is going to work out his plans, and he's been doing it since the foundation of the universe, since he made this world, since he continues to preserve this world, and now since he's still working in your lives in this world This is the one we pray to, the highest power in all the universe. And so we can be be bold when we pray. We'll sing the second stanza on page five. Peter understands that sometimes things are not what they seem. He looks back on the death of Jesus and realizes that at the time he thought it was one thing. Later on, he finds out it was something completely different. He says, For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. We see in the death of Jesus the most awful thing we could ever imagine. The persecution of Jesus is the hating of God's own beloved son. There's nothing worse that we could imagine, and yet... Even in that, the worst of circumstances, God is still in control. God is still working out his predetermined plan. Out of these bad things, he works out good things. And we know because he raised his son from the dead. And he crowned him with glory and honor as his anointed one, the chosen king who would continue to rule over all this world. So we too can have confidence even in the face of persecution that we might face. You can look to the example that comes just after this prayer in the life of Stephen. Stephen was living proof of the boldness of Jesus' resurrection truth. Even in the face of death, Stephen was still confident in the Lord. Stephen was accused and arrested for teaching against the customs of Moses. He was treated just like Jesus. His words were twisted and misrepresented before the Jewish council when he was on trial. They unjustly accused him of blasphemy and sentenced him to death. But Stephen never backed down. Instead, he grew even more bold, praying in the last moments to the Lord. And what did he pray? He said, forgive them. Stephen knew that no matter what evil they might do to him, he was going to be fine. He knew that the evil that was upon them was far worse. And so he prayed for his enemies. Just like Jesus, when Jesus was on the cross, and he prayed, Father, forgive them. This is the way that Jesus loves the world. He loves his enemies. He blesses those who hate him and curse him. And so the same love is with us, to pray for those who we don't get along with, or those who are hostile to what we believe, or who are against Christ. But at the same time that Jesus and Stephen love their enemies, they never surrender the truth. Their love is never compromising what is true for us to believe in. And so while they love their enemies and pray for them, they also stand firmly on God's truth to the point where Stephen has to tell these men That they've hardened their hearts against the Lord. And that leads to his own death. He's willing to die rather than to compromise or approve of a lie. And for us also, we need the same boldness to speak up no matter what the results are going to be. If we are going to lose a friend or lose a job The confidence of the Holy Spirit here is that in every difficulty, God's going to use those moments to witness to the hope that we have, to witness to the truth of Jesus' resurrection. We'll sing the next stanza, stanza three And so we, too, are encouraged to speak up. And that's what Peter prays for. He says in verse 29, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. It's much easier to stay quiet. We would rather avoid uncomfortable conversations. We would rather stay comfortable unnoticed, and not stand out. Peter definitely knew what this feeling was like. He thought he would never be afraid to speak up. He thought for sure he would stay with the Lord all the way to the end, but when he got into the courtyard of the high priests and he was standing before all those people who were going to put Jesus to death, he was quiet. He wouldn't speak up. He had lost his confidence. But now things have changed. And in the face of the very same threats, Peter now is no longer afraid. Why? Because the Lord has risen. And we see this continuing on with Stephen's life and even after Stephen. Now, who would ever want to speak up after what happened to Stephen? Surely, That would put an end to this movement in the name of Jesus, but it didn't. Because right after that, another person comes along to take his place, and his name is Philip. Philip was an evangelist, and God sent Philip to Samaria to proclaim the message of Jesus. Samaria was an area that was filled with wickedness. It was a place where idolatry and witchcraft were being practiced. And there he meets a man who was famous for his practice with magic, Simon the Magician. What good would it do to preach to such a man? What good would it do to preach to such a city, so lost in unbelief? But Philip knew better. The boldness of the Spirit was with him, and he would not be silent. And in his preaching of this message of Jesus, the city was stirred up and many followed him and were baptized and converted, including Simon. Simon, the least likely of any. But as Simon's converted and as he begins to follow the name of the Lord, he doesn't really understand what he's doing. In fact, he thinks that this new religion is just another way for him to make money. Just like he had done so well with the practice of sorcery, now he's turning to the healing miracles of the apostles and thinking he too can continue his profit. Now Philip came in and he preached the word as an evangelist and he moved on. But Peter was there to continue the work. And it wasn't enough just to get a bunch of people excited about the Lord. There was ongoing instruction that was needed. And that's when Peter comes in and he talks to the man Simon. He has to set him straight. And he tells him, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray that the intent of your heart be forgiven. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. This word was effective. It wasn't just about getting Simon excited for this new revolutionary message, but it was about grounding him in the truths of what this really means. Love for God, not love for profit. Who do you know that has been stuck in the gall of bitterness? It takes a bold spirit to speak up. It would be much easier to remain silent with those people. Only the Holy Spirit in prayer can give you the courage you need to speak up and the wisdom to know what the right thing to say is and when to say it. As someone once told me, be bold, but not brash. We don't need to be rude. We don't need to be mean. But we do need to speak up. And that's why we will pray for the Lord to give us that boldness. We'll sing stanza four. Final verse of this section it says, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You see how God answered their prayer, how He answered their prayer for boldness and sent the Holy Spirit to shake the very foundations of the building. He answers your prayers, too. And while he doesn't need to shake this building, he does shake our hearts and people's lives. And if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, we would be hopeless to accomplish anything. In fact, Martin Luther has a prayer, and it's up on the wall in my office. And in that prayer, he says, if I am left to myself, I will certainly bring it all to destruction. It's a reminder that if we are left on our own to accomplish this work of the Holy Spirit, we would be sure to bring it all down. Our selfishness, our foolishness, our lack of understanding and faith, we would get it in our own way and we'd ruin it all. That's why the Holy Spirit is so necessary. We do not get to decide how this works out. How God works, when he works, and what his work will look like. We do not get to decide how it's all going to turn out. Instead, the Spirit is like the wind, Jesus says. You can't say where it came from. You can't say where it's going. You can just say it was there. You don't get to control the wind. The wind comes and it goes and it does its work. And God responds to Peter's prayer by sending the Holy Spirit to his church. This continues on. And we'll turn back to Philip now again for an example. Just chapters after this in chapter 8, Philip is continuing his work of evangelism. And now God tells him to go to a strange place and to meet a strange person. He arrives on the road to Gaza, a southern road going through the desert from Jerusalem heading all the way down the coast to Egypt. It's a road that's headed to nowhere. And there he meets a man. He meets a man who was the servant of the Queen of Ethiopia. This Ethiopian was a worshiper of the Lord and had traveled to Jerusalem and gathered a scroll. And he was bringing this scroll back to his home place. It was the scroll of Isaiah. And Philip finds him there, and he's reading from the scroll, Isaiah chapter 53. And in Isaiah 53, he's reading about a prophecy which has to do with Jesus. It says, Like a sheep... He was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. Philip takes this opportunity to tell the man what he doesn't know, that this prophecy is predicting how Jesus would come to suffer on the cross, and to be silent in his suffering. How he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sacrifice, for the sins of this servant, for the sins of the queen of Ethiopia, for the sins of all people. And so the man believes and asks if he can be baptized. He's baptized right there on the spot, and then he heads on his way. Would Philip ever see him again? Would Philip ever know what the outcome of this interaction was? When we pray for the Holy Spirit, we're really trusting the Lord. We're handing everything over to him. It's bold for us to do this. We would like to determine what the outcomes are going to be, what the plan is going to be, but all we can do is seize the opportunity. Maybe that person you meet will never come to your church. Maybe he's headed through town and He's on to another place. Maybe it's somebody who's already has a church. They're already a believer, but there's some piece of truth that you can share with them that will help them grow. When we pray this prayer with Peter, we're praying for boldness to speak up, but also boldness to believe and entrust it to the work of the Lord. And so we will pray. In your bulletins on page 5, I'd like you to join in our prayer together. O Lord, grant us boldness in our prayers and witness. Lead us in a humble, bold attitude to stand in the face of persecution. Give us courage, wisdom, and opportunity to speak when the time is right and send your Holy Spirit to bless all that we say and do in your name. Amen. We rise. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.